Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the Obstacle Racing Media Podcast. I am your host, Matt B. Davis, and we've got a great episode for you. I've got one, Callie Schweikart, who I spoke with shortly after World's Toughest Mudder, and I've got Greg from Green Beret Fitness. And I just want to start by taking another moment to thank all of you who saw me at World's Toughest, who said something nice, or came up and gave me a high five or a hug. Or just a yelled, what's up, Matt, as you came by. Um, really feels great. OCR, not having the best year, right? Lots of crazy stuff happening. And uh, it's nice to uh, come home to World's Toughest and be received well. And I'm glad that you're still here and I'm still here. And who knows what 2024 is going to bring. If you have enjoyed this content in your ears and on your phone and in your YouTubes over the last couple of years or longer, those of you that have been with us even longer, hop on the Patreon train. That's right. You can give as little as a few dollars a month. You want to give a whole year at one time. That'll save you a few bucks. And guess what? It helps keep the ship rolling along. There's a link right in your phone, right in your thing. Patreon.com slash obstacle racing media. Join the love. Yes, we do some early access. Yes, we do some fun stuff, but mostly it's about you feeling good about supporting this network. Now, our friend Callie had a very disappointing first World's Toughest, but a very predictable World's Toughest, right? Like, hey, this is new. This is crazy. Oh, shit, I'm freezing and I'm not racing anymore. And we'll, of course, talk about that. And then we'll talk about her amazing performance at this year's. She uh, ran in second place. And we talk about her and her crew and lots of fun stuff. And I'm excited to bring this to you. Uh, and then we're going to talk to Greg from Greenberry Fitness, who I've seen from afar. I'm like, what is this thing exactly? Not to be confused with Greenberry Challenge, which is a completely different thing. This is Greenberry Fitness, and you'll learn all about uh, how this event started and the many, many, many events he's got coming up soon. Uh, so let's get into it, shall we? Let's dive right in to Callie and then Greg. Away we go. All of the all of the struggle, it's worth it. When the people are listening in their cars or wherever you're listening to, you'll be grateful that Callie and I went the extra mile. Um, okay, let's dive in. So I think in order to tell the story properly, we need to rewind mm -hmm. the clock. We need to go all the way back to uh, what was supposed to be the Spartan Ultra World Championship of 2022. Should we start there? Sure. Let's, yeah, rewind, um, let's rewind the clock because oh, in 2022, wow. you had done um, 
several Spartan ultras, right? In the lead up to that. So you want to kind of talk about what 2022 was like for you? Yeah. Um, 2022 was the first year I actually dipped my toes into ultras. I had been very intrigued by them for a long time, but, um, with the, uh, the national series with Spartan and just all the friends I have through racing, they always did the national series. And I was like, Oh, I want to be with my friends. I want to do what everyone else is doing. Um, but eventually I was like, you know what? I think like ultras are more up my alley. They seem amazing. It's like a big adventure. So, uh, I did sign up for the Utah ultra in July of 2022. And that was actually a compromise because I could go and be with everyone who was doing the national series because that was the national series race, but also be doing the ultra. And, um, that was like a dream come true day. I felt amazing and the race went really well. And I ended up winning and taking second overall. And, um, I was, so stoked um and just like encouraged by the fact that i could go do this this thing cover this distance that i didn't know i could cover um in 90 degree heat as well which is not my forte um so that got me excited and kind of i guess more intrigued um so i signed up for Kelowna, canada which uh utah and Kelowna are both pretty intense mountain courses and that's i love that that's the the grindy like technical um really steep really um scenic i love those venues um so Kelowna also went well um i won and took fourth overall and um then it was sight set on tahoe which tahoe is one of my favorite spartan venues to exist and uh they were going to have the 24-hour race there so i was so excited um and then the fires kind of shut everything down and that was that was a whirlwind um that was a terrible thing that happened to begin with um and then the smoke was just messing everything up so they decided to call it um and i had to pit it a little bit after that so how did you prepare you had what like a month to prepare for worlds at that point for worlds yeah um and so basically the prep for Tahoe had been lots of vert, lots of Spartan obstacle stuff, you know, like carries and like spear throwing and all these things that you, Spartan's a little more standard in that regard too. Um, and their obstacles are, um, I, they're, they're more straightforward and they're a little more fitness based a lot of the time. So uh, then when it was really Christopher Mendoza who, was like, you know what, just switch over. We're doing WTM because he was going to do Tahoe too. And then when that got canceled, he was like, well, here we go. We're going to do this. And I was like, I don't know. It never done a Tough Mudder. Um, they seem very different. The venues don't seem appealing. The obstacles are interesting and like helping each other. That's kind of weird. I, I don't know. The penalties are silly. Um, so <laughs> there were a lot of things I was very unsure about. I was like, a wetsuit. I don't, I don't really want to, I don't mind water, but like, to have to be in so much water that you're wearing a wetsuit for so long. Yeah, um, to do that? I was just like, yeah, right. This is so tough. <laughs> but, um, so it, it was about a month turnaround and Chris really, really pushed me to, to do it. He was the only reason I did it. Basically I was like, fine, I guess like I have trained for such a long event. I want to put my fitness to use. Might as well try something new. Um, so I signed up for Alabama and, uh, gave it a shot. And, um, that was, it was an incredible experience. It was an eye-opening experience for sure. It was unlike anything I'd ever done before. And um, Tough Mudders are definitely a different ball game. They're really, really fun. And um, just, it's, yeah, it's a whole different world. I know, I know the communities are kind of connected, but at the same time, the vibe at a Tough Mudder, the 
the obstacles, the nature of the course, um, there are a lot of big differences. So I think for that first year, especially having trained for Tahoe and then going to world's toughest, um, not the easiest of transitions. Like there are definitely things you wouldn't prep in the same way for these two events. So it, it didn't quite overlap perfectly, but it was enough to like get me to want to try world's toughest mutter, I guess. And you were doing well at world's toughest 2022 you were mm-hmm. i don't remember if you were in the top three or the top five but you were looking pretty good there yeah. in the first what, i was in third 12 hours for like i think for the first 12 to 16 hours i was holding third place behind um chris and then katie right um and chris and katie flip-flopped a little bit um but um yeah i was i was doing well i was happy with how things were going i felt great um and uh i remember uh fitness wise feeling good i mean it's always nice going down to sea level it felt very flat and runnable compared to what i've been doing um my body wasn't super thrilled on that just because like flat running when you don't do it often is a different kind of stress on the system so the legs were aching in different ways and like the hips were kind of just not super thrilled but um yeah I i feel like things were going well uh, but I was cocky about the cold. I really was like, I, I love the cold. I love cold water. I do well in cold water. I love ice baths. I grew up swimming in the Atlantic ocean. So I was like, I got this, like, we're good. I don't, <laughs> everyone's putting their wetsuit on when it gets getting dark. And I'm like, I'm not cold. I don't feel anything. No big deal. I'll run in my bib and shorts until past midnight. And that was a major, major mistake for sure. Isn't it amazing? All the advice in the world. Uh, I, I ran into a friend at brunch who told me it was his first time. He said, I've been listening to you for five years. And for five years, you say, it doesn't matter what you think you can do. Please prepare for the cold and please put on your wetsuit before you get cold. He goes, I still didn't. And I got really cold. So it's just weird uh, with self, you know, whether it's ego or I don't know what it is, but we all do it. And we're like, eh, it doesn't really apply to me. I, I remember coming through each lap and I had Chris's parents, Chris Mendoza's parents crewing for me. Legendary, um, this, legendary pit crew, oh, Chris's parents. Mom and Papa Doza are um, angels. They're amazing. And they were, they were crewing for him and doing their best to, and doing an amazing job at crewing me too. And I was so, so grateful. Um, and uh, I remember Mama Doza begging me to put on suit on and like you chris hadn't put one on yet and i was like he's a whip in the cold no I'm, but he's like not he's worse in cold water than i am and he will admit that so i was like if he doesn't have it on yet i'm good and then all of a sudden it was the lap to make 65 miles so it was it was um lap uh what's uh wow i go with 14 12 thir- 13 i think it's 13 is it 14 no 12 is 12 is 60 12 is so 60 yes 12 is 60 (laughs) so 13 um i'm a math tutor it's not a big deal um (laughs) but (laughs) it's only a few days post-race so give me a break but um it, it was lap 13 um i remember running and i had put my wetsuit on at this point but i remember um or no no, I hadn't put my wetsuit on at this point. And I remember running on one of these, one of their flatter stretches with no obstacles. And I'm realizing that my eyes are not opening when I'm blinking. <laughs> so I was like running along and then my eyes would blink and then I'd keep them closed. And I was like, whoa, whoa, something's up. Um, so I come into the pit and um, mama and Papa Doza are like, okay, she's not right. I couldn't open my eyes. Um, I was slurring my words. And um, 
I basically just got so cold and super, super sleepy. Um, and it took me like, at that point I had to take like about three hours, I think to warm up and sit by the fire pit. They wouldn't sit, let me sit in the med tent too long. Cause that was going to be a medical DQ. Right. Um, the fire pit wasn't quite warm enough to get me warm. Um, so it took a long time to get me like coherent again and like functioning again. And then they basically just forced me out on one last lap to just be a finisher, which I'm, I'm glad I did that. Um, that actually helped me qualify for elite contender status this year by just getting that finished. Cause I still came in eighth, which, um, is fine. But like, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty rough. Isn't that was that, a, and it was eye opening. Isn't that no pun intended. Isn't that, isn't that very convenient <laughs> about your body when your body's just like, guess what? You don't know what you're doing. We're going to go ahead and shut down now. <laughs> yep. Yep. There was no, no overriding that. Um, it caught up to me and I was, I was dumb and they stayed in the live feed too. They're like, who is this girl in a tank top and shorts? I'm in Arctic Enema helping this other guy. And they're like, oh, that's Callie. She's she's still in a tank top. Um, it was definitely not smart. Um, but yeah, I just, with all of my experience in cold water, I tend to do really well. So I was like, oh, this, this is fine. We're fine. All right. So this may be a, a, a slight diversion, but it is me. And this is what happens. <laughs> and I just, I just did an interview with somebody and we were talking about endurance events and he talked about, you know, how pushing yourself is better and how you really don't learn from success and we, we learn from failure and it's true right however something you just said when you won that ultra it gave you a certain confidence so this idea that we only learn from failures is actually false because winning taught you something right totally yeah and like i think yeah we learn from both like failure is obviously it's a more direct lesson a lot of the time because like it's something to immediately fix, but um, you learn from victories too. And I think, especially as someone who's, I, I wouldn't say I, I struggle with self-confidence. I struggle with like performance anxiety. I struggle with imposter syndrome. So um, sometimes it takes a victory to teach you that you can do things you didn't think you could. And you learn from yourself in that way. So um, yeah, definitely lessons from both sides. And uh, with Kelowna, Kelowna was nasty and cold and wet and, uh, temperature wise I was fine so I was like oh okay well I'm learning that I can tolerate cold pretty well maybe the world stuff is mutter the wetsuit thing is not overrated but like maybe I don't need it as soon as other people think they do um but yeah it turns out when you're again I had never done anything past like the eight or nine hour mark so it's a whole different ball game when you're 16 hours in you're moving a little slower you're it's nighttime and um your body's just doing everything it can to stay warm. And when you're not, when you're not generating that heat by running really fast or um, uh, just working harder, um, it's really, it's much harder to stay warm. So it was, that was my downfall last year for sure. So what did you work on in the 12 months going? Obviously, Hey, I'm going to put clothes on sooner, right? Is, is, is a big one, but in, in terms of, <laughs> yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of your endurance training, in terms of obstacle race, you did one toughest, right? Or one infinity, or did you do more than one? Mm-hmm. I did an infinity. Um, so I basically this whole year was geared up towards world's toughest this year. Um, this was my A race for the year. And it was just a lot of building volume. Um, I still did quite a lot of vert. I, I'm not someone who in, enjoys the flatter stuff as much. Living where I do in Boulder slash Netherland, Colorado, I like can't help but want to be in the mountains. So it was a lot of just time on feet. Um, 
And then in terms of specific prep, um, logistics, like timing of the wetsuit, I, I really did a lot of thinking on that and making sure when we went into it this year, my crew was prepped on, don't listen to me if I'm being stubborn, we're putting it on like by this time, <laughs> like, don't let me get away with it. Um, and, uh, what else? Um, I did do, it, it's different obstacle prep. Like I was trying to play with, um, the different weird grips that you face in world's toughest. Um, there was a lot of, uh, nutrition tweaking, um, that all basically went to hell this year. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, there was, uh, we had to play damage control on that, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, um, yeah, it was basically just lots of volume and trying to prep myself for because I, I had I didn't make it the twenty four hours last year and I really wanted to do that this year. So the race when you're in the corral, I think I sent you a little photo of you, you did. From, from the uh Friday, Saturday morning, which seems like a year ago. <laughs> but was but a few days ago. So here you are. Do you remember what you're thinking? We're doing the pledge here or the what is it called? Oh yeah, like the whole the whole spiel that coach does yep yep and the anthem Mm -hmm. um so do you remember what you were thinking at that time at a Um, few minutes before noon yeah i was i was pretty nervous um mainly because i thought i had food poisoning the day before (laughs) i i i so we got to text on thursday we get in everything's smooth we go to bed and in the middle of the night i woke up and uh was not shivering, but like kind of cold and my stomach hurt really bad. And I never have any of those things. Like my stomach's usually pretty solid. My I'm never cold. Usually I'm just hot when I sleep. So I have to like take layers off, but I was like, this is weird and not good. And I woke up feeling very nauseous, not wanting to eat, which is very unlike me. And all day it was just like waves of nausea and trying to eat something. And then my stomach would rebel and then wanting to sleep. And I know I get nervous for races, but this was not like anxiety. This was like, I couldn't get out of the car when everyone else was going to get lunch. I just slept in the car, that kind of thing. And um, so on Saturday, uh, basically Friday was just kind of like, try to take in as many simple carbs as I can. Lots of ginger ale, lots of rice. Um, I took a nap. I never nap. I hate napping, but (laughs) I was like, I need something. We went to the venue and I was so drained after that. I remember being there on Friday and looking at the course and being like, I couldn't run one lap right now. I don't know how I'm going to try to run like 15 plus, you know, or 18 plus. I don't know. Um, so I was just praying that a good night's sleep would help. And, um, I did wake up on Saturday feeling so much better, still like slightly weird. My stomach wasn't the best, but my energy was back and, um, I was able to eat and not feel sick. So I was like, okay, we're going to give it a go. So in the start line on the corral, I was like, Great flag was feeling better, but I had no idea how it was going to go because you never know how those things linger, whether like my energy was just going to tank after a lap. Um, so yeah, I was kind of just like already a little bummed. I was like, I didn't want to go into this feeling this way. Um, so that was an interesting, it was an interesting build up, lead up to the race for sure. Looking at your, you know, I know that everyone says like, Hey, it really is about running your race, but I know it for it. I feel like it could be hard to not think about your competition. Okay. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, if Chris is there, right. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Chris is the one to beat. And obviously mm-hmm. there's plenty of other women, strong women there this year. So do you, do you look at over the competition or how do you sort of deal with all that stuff? I'm very bad at ignoring the competition. <laughs> I, it's so impossible. Um, it's hard not to worry about who's going to show up because like, 
there are so many strong contenders. Like you said, like I, obviously I knew Chris was the one with the target on her back. Um, she's a phenomenal athlete and she's proved that she can do this event, um, pretty much unlike anyone else. And, um, uh, that was intimidating. And then I knew Katie was coming back and she is someone who just seems to be able to like do anything regardless of what she's training for. And she's always so strong and she's very tough. So I knew she'd be a force. And then I didn't, you never know who else is going to like come up through the weeds. I also knew third place, Jenny Overstreet was going to be back. She was always on my back last year before I got hypothermic. So there were, and Hannah Carta is always super consistent. Like there were a bunch of people I was thinking about and like knowing this is also why the food poisoning, whatever it was, was freaking me out. I was like, I'm going to have to have a almost perfect day to do what I want to do. So this isn't a good start if I'm not feeling great and all these amazing competitors are here. So yeah, I was, I mean, as much as I try not to be in my head about it, how can you not? You're, you're lining up with these incredible athletes who are, yeah, intimidating. I'm not going to say I'm not intimidated. Like that would be a lie. <laughs> well, because the bloody thing is so long, I forgot what happened. I forgot you on the green lap completely. I just have to look yeah. at that file. And yeah. it looks like you finished about, I don't know, six seconds ahead of Chris. So yes. she almost did the wire to wire thing. Um, not wire to wire, but the win come in first in the green lap right. and then also win. Um, were you running with her? Were you guys chatty the first lap? Any of you gals? Yeah. <clears throat> so we, um, I shared a lot of the first lap with, um, let's see. I remember talking with Austin quite a bit and, um, I believe I saw Isaac Sanderson on that lap too. Um, Elmer was there. I ran with Chris and Austin together for a little bit. Um, and we chatted a little. And then I just remember Chris fake, like just fading back slightly. Um, it seemed like um, she, I know she can be, or I've heard she can be like chattier in races because she's always just like chilling and having a good time. Um, she didn't seem as chatty. And it, I, she had, she had said after that, like the beginning is where she felt kind of sick and like got hot and had some stomach stuff. So, um, we shared a little bit on that first lap, but then I noticed she was more just like slightly behind me for the rest of it. Um, and winning the sprint lap was not a goal. That was not an intention. It was more just like, usually someone goes out and actually wants to win the sprint lap, but no one did that this year. So we were all just kind of chilling and I was just going at a pace that felt comfortable and it happened to be in the front. Um, so when I crossed the line, I was like, Oh God, I don't, I don't know. About, <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to do this, but um, it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I want that green bib. I did not want that green bib. Well, listen, now you got one. No. So it's nice. You got one. There you go. Um, well, <laughs> now I have a green bib. There you cool. go. Yeah. It's funny because I saw Chris on what I'm guessing is her third lap. I went out to do my, uh, my media lap with Theo, which was his second lap. And we saw Chris, and it was like, oh, Chris is behind us. It was coming up to the water station at two and a half miles, a little bit further. And I turned around, and I didn't see her. And then I waited, and it's like she just wasn't moving that fast. She walked up that little hill. She took her water. And I'm like, I'm not worried. Like, I'm sure she'll still crush this race. But, like, yeah, she mm -hmm. knows what she's doing. No, and that's honestly, the like, I, I guess it's interesting because I say, yeah, it's hard not to think about who's there and who you're competing against and getting intimidated. But at the same time, I was really trying to not let that dictate my race at all. Um, like my goal was not to be running in front of Chris Roglowski for 45 miles. It wasn't like I was pushing to be in the lead. Um, I wasn't thinking about that. I was going at the pace that felt good for me and that happened to put me there. Um, so I'm proud of that in that, um, 
that was not me wanting to lead. That was not me trying to win it from the start. It was just like, okay, I'm going to chug along at the comfortable pace. And especially as the obstacles open up, she's probably going to start gaining on me a bit because we know that there are some things she, that she can do way better than I can there. So um, it just, it shook out that way where she had, she took her time working into it a bit more. I just happened to feel good from the start and just kind of just went with that because um, I figured why not take advantage of it? Cause again, Chris knows what she's doing in these things. So uh, the likelihood is she's only going to get stronger as it goes on, you know? Right. So when I was looking, it was, it was Stephanie was first for a lot of it, that first 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And then you and Chris and maybe Katie, I can't remember exactly, but did you look or did your team tell you, or did they tell you not to look? Um, yeah. Cause, cause I, saw uh, I... Talking to you a lot. Obviously Chris got out of the race relatively soon. And I know he and DJ and your coach, is he in your coach? Mm-hmm. And your coach Ian mm-hmm. Hosick were all talking to you. So what I know how it went at the end because I saw you guys in the morning, but how was it like the first twelve hours in the night part? Yeah. So um from what I remember, um I knew for a while that I was leading. Um that's kinda hard to not know when like I just knew that no one had passed me yet, especially when the obstacles hadn't opened up. Oh yeah, you saw um, I saw I saw you. I saw you <laughs> at six yeah. what, what did I say to you? You were like it's too because I turned around and I was like I failed the stupid grappler. The the penalty loop was like 0.7 miles long. So I lost probably like eight or nine minutes trying it and then doing the loop. And I was like, I don't know if I'm in first still. Did she pass me? And you you were like, I don't know. I'd have to look at the board, but it's too early to worry about that, Callie. And you, I was like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, so um, I had been leading and then got passed by Stephanie for a bit. And I did ask that in the pit when I came in after that lap. I was like, just because Ian was pretty adamant about me not seeing the scoreboard right. he would see me looking and then he'd be like hey no 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 <laughs> and um i because his whole thing was like you need to run your own race because you're capable of really good things if you run the way you can, you can run without worrying about everyone else um and so i came into after the lap and i was kind of uh suspicious just because i knew she wasn't too far back too far back and that loop was so long and i was like uh i don't know so I was like, just tell me if I got passed. And they're like, yes, you got passed, but she's right there. So then it was me and Stephanie actually kind of back and forth for a while. It would be like, um, I'd go, to, she failed a lot of things too. She's a phenomenal runner, but she was saying she was missing all the obstacles because she hasn't done many of these before. Right. Um, so we would go back and forth a bit. And then um, that was it. That was where I was kind of proud of myself in that um, I'm not, I'm, I get very panicky when I have to battle and that's something I'm working on. But um I never, I never kind of let off the gas and it wasn't like I was pushing, but I never counted myself out because she passed me or would pass me again. And then it just took like consistent grinding to then finally start putting some time into her. And by the time we got into the night, I just remember not seeing her for like four or five laps and thinking, okay, I hope I've put a big gap on her, but I don't really know. She could always just be lurking. Did you do that emoji thing? Do you see that? What's happening? I think I just put my hand up and it goes like thumbs up. Does it do that? That's weird. I don't know. It didn't do it now. Are the AI robots but... on to us? <laughs> Sometimes if you wave, it does like a, <laughs> but I don't know. So um... I, I kept wanting to talk to Stephanie. Um, mm. Joe Perry, uh, who everybody knows, had said to me, mm-hmm. hey, uh, this woman, Stephanie, she's won some hundreds. She's coming second in Odalaz. You should talk to her. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, sure. Like every trail running, she'll go out hot and flame out, but I'll still talk to her. We try, I texted her before the event, went back and forth, never saw her. 
So then as the race is going on, I swear I try to see when she's coming in. So you look at the board, right? And the last the last obstacle on the big board or on the big screen was um, uh, Blah Blah Monkey. But the last obstacle oh, on, yeah. the, on the small board was Everest. So you could see how close they were. Anyway... I swear to God, every time I looked, it was she was at melting point, and I like every lap it was melting, <laughs> which is like halfway. It's like fuck. So I never, I literally never saw her the entire time until in the morning, and when she had dropped finally to second or third, I'm like, oh well, this is this is what's going to happen. But then in the morning, she was still up there, so I was quite shocked. And her and I have talked a lot, but anyway, um, uh, so, um, the, the probably one of the best parts for me like there's always several sort of spot weld moments that you don't forget in that particular year and for me i think one of the big ones was when i saw you on that lap in the morning and it was like 10 and you thought you had one more lap and your coach said you actually have two more laps and you made a face like i don't want to do two more laps and he said tell me if i get it wrong something like you know, that's not what Ryan Atkins does. The reason Ryan Atkins win this race is because he doesn't make that face. And then we saw your face switch back into competition mode. And like, I've got, I have like goosebumps now because it was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Did I tell that yeah. accurately? I think you did. That was, uh, that was my lowest moment of the race, I would say. So I, um, actually, no. Okay. So there, there were two very low moments. Uh, well, there were, uh, okay, I count three. three. So one was when it got really hot. <laughs> Actually, you know what, 10. Um, no, but there were, the heat of the day was really bad because it was just like disgusting. So I felt kind of sick there. And um, uh, knowing it's like only five hours in is like really intimidating. So that was a low. But um, the two major lows were the first one you just mentioned where um, I come in after mile 80 and I look at... Um, so I had, and then Ian was crewing and then Chris stepped into crew for me once his race was done. Um, plus his family, um, plus a few other people who kind of just like come and help when you come in and it's, it's such an amazing group. Um, and I, I run in and I'm like, okay, okay. So like I can just do one more lap. Right. And Ian and Andrew stays silent because he feels so bad. for me. <laughs> and then Ian and Chris are just like, nope, two. And I remember like, making this face like I'm going to cry because I really wanted to cry. And uh, yeah, Ian basically was like, Callie, the reason Ryan Atkins wins these things is because he hears that and he doesn't say anything and he just keeps running. And um, Ryan is an amazing friend of mine and someone I've always looked up to. And he gave me a lot of advice and encouragement heading into this race that like meant the world to me. And he's someone who is so inspiring and um, obviously crushes these events. So I think that was like exactly the right thing for Ian to say. I was like, dang it. He's right. Like God, now I just suck it up. Um, but that lap after that was the worst lap of the entire race for me. It was really, really hard. Um, it was basically like a mix of kind of like half crying and <laughs> like just wanting to be done because doing that and knowing I still had to do it again was really tough. Um, and I came in from that lap. Um, Andrew would come out to like mile four and a half, like right before we went up the hill to Mudderhorn and he would check in with me and just like, uh, just ask me what I needed to go back to crew. And, um, that was the one time I remember like basically crying to him and being like, I don't think I have anything left. Like, I don't think I can do this last lap. And, um, he 
he really tried to not say like, you can stop, but he really wanted to tell me I could stop. But we had discussed that that was not okay. And that you would not go for that. I would not go for that. So he tried to like hush um, and just like, let me work it out. And I come through on that lap into the finish and um, everyone's there and Ian's holding up a believe sign. And our whole theme for the, for the, for the pit was Ted Lasso. So he's holding up the Ted Lasso believe sign and everyone's behind him. They're all in their Ted Lasso jerseys. I'm like, Oh, great. How can I not go out on another lap? <laughs> I see this. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it, it was a very moving. The whole thing was honestly extremely touching. Um, and it's hard not to get like worked up about it right now, but like, um, I am just so blown away by the things that these people did for me. Um, to be honest, like, um, I found myself just asking like what I did to deserve such special people in my life and such support. And, um, I've never felt like more oh loved and <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but it was, I'll never forget it. Like I just, the things that these people were willing to do for me and the way they wanted to see me succeed. And, um, it, it means more than anything else in the world. So, um, I had everything I needed there. Like I, there's no way I would have done what I did without them. So, um, it was, a, the, those were low moments that turned into like the highest of high moments and like, like the most special memories of my life. So when you were doing that last lap, did it start to sink in like, hey, I'm I'm going to be in second only behind Chris, sort of the best in the world this right now? Um, actually, um, so Ian didn't tell me I had second locked up. So he, <laughs> I didn't know I didn't need to do another lap. <laughs> so then I see Stephanie on the last lap and I thought she made it past me. I thought I was in third again. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I, no way. So I'm trying to play it cool. I, I like run up to her. She used her band on one of the obstacles that I did a loop on. So I have to catch her after I did the loop. And I'm, I'm running up to her and I'm like trying to be casual. And I'm like, Stephanie, how you feeling? What mile are you going for? I'm like trying to see where she is. Cause I knew I was going for 90. And um, she was like, oh yeah, this will be 85. And I was like, thank you lord but then i was like what if she's lying to me what if this is a game <laughs> she could and she could be going for 90 so i was so paranoid that i was like uh luckily i was able to like i eventually put a gap on her again um she had to do a few more penalties but i there were times where we would like link back up and i was like i really don't think she'd lie to me she was so nice we we had shared some miles together in, in the previous parts of the race but like you never know. Um, maybe, she, maybe I miscounted. Maybe she miscounted. Maybe, maybe I'm third. So I better hustle. And then I looked at her wrists and she had no bands and I had one band. So I knew that if I at least kept her near me, that I could skip the last penalty and then be okay. Um, and it ended up being that I didn't have to rush too bad. I ended up putting some time on her between like miles three and five, three and four ish of the course. Um, but no, I did not it didn't quite sink in because I had to worry about that. I didn't really know. I knew podium was like there and that was a huge goal for me. Um, I, I, I want the win. I still want the win, but like th the fact that I could basically no, no barring like ginormous injury or weird mistake that I had the podium. That was really cool. And knowing it was my last lap regardless was amazing. Cause I was so tired. Um, 
but it was, I think coming over, um, it, it really just hits after probably Mutterhorn because like that's the top of the hill. And then all you have to do is come down and then go into Everest and they're just helping you up and, uh, just coming around that finish line when it did sink in, I was like, Whoa, this is, uh, it's a moment I've dreamed of for, I mean, ever since I started obstacle racing, like I've wanted, you know, a, a like a championship podium. And then this whole year has been dedicated to this and, um, to do it, to have it be a race where it's like the first time two women hit 90 miles to be one of like five women to ever do that. Um, to tie Chris for mileage, like she's like, I had no idea. She only like not only hit 90, but I had, I thought maybe she was like way gone. Um, so the fact that we were like, close ish. I was like, wow, this is, I'm so proud of so much of it. Um, it was, it was, it was surreal. I didn't really hit until later. I thought maybe I'd be like crying at the finish line, but it took me a few hours before I broke down <laughs> and then I started crying. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know all the women that have, I mean, I know Rhea has, Chris has, Amelia has, who else is hit 90? I think it's according to, I think Will was telling me that there's five now and it was, um, Chris, Katie, Amelia, Rhea, and me. Oh, Katie. <laughs> Katie. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it did it again. That's so weird. It's so weird. It's like an automatic thumbs up. It's so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> 90 miles. <laughs> um, yeah, endless. Is, and all courses are different and everything's different. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I think Chris... Chris was a little disappointed, right? She, she wanted to hit 125. And it's like, yeah. you know... Uh, you won World Toughest Mutter. You're a two-time winner. You you win the money. You you got 90 miles, but like you know, she wanted more. So it's like it's uh, it, it's fascinating. It's interesting too because this course was not conducive to running a lot of miles, surely because of the penalties. So I ran closer to. I think by my my watch died when it was at 94 miles, and I had four hours left to go. I think I ran like 107 total. So I I basically like. Chris and I probably ran as much as Austin did, but he just didn't fail. He failed two things. So that's, but like I ran He's over 50 off. miles in He's penalties. Just showing off, right? Oh my gosh. I have a story about it. <laughs> like second to last lap, we're jogging along and I, I, um, I link up with him on the course and all of a sudden he, so I see him, he's ahead of me. And then all of a sudden I'm running and then he's behind me and he had stopped to use the bathroom. And then we're coming up on Berlin walls. Mm -hmm. And we're just chatting. He's obviously happy-go-lucky because he's never not smiling. And um, it, the volunteers are clearing everyone out for us to be able to go over Berlin Walls because they're so good about that. And we're both wearing the leader bibs. And um, I'm like, Austin, you go, you go. And uh, he's already heading over to the to the side of the wall where he can go muscle up himself. I'm like, oh, of course. Okay, cool. <laughs> never mind. I'll go. I'll get the help. He literally just lifts. He still does it quicker than me with the help. And is then we're jogging along after. I'm like, how? How are you doing this? Um, that was ridiculous. But yeah, in terms of like the course layout, like the penalties were so long that um, I th I think like the top women covered like the same covered the same ground that Austin did, which is so wild. Um, but it was just a, a, an interesting year. Um, every course is different. Yeah, it's um, it this year. You know, the cold didn't get as many people, but. Every, mm -hmm. even, even in this is a warm year, trust me, it's not pleasant when you get wet at nighttime. No. It's not pleasant. No. People feel no, it's like still chilly. <laughs> just because it's not 32 degrees, it's still not normal. And if you don't keep moving, and if you go to the pits, you're just going to get colder. 
you're just going to get colder if you stick around the pit. So, um, yeah. And listen, people are like, Orlando, what could be warm and toastier than Orlando? It's like, doesn't matter. Bring all of your gear. You never absolutely the cold snap to end all cold snaps could come. Atlanta was never 32 degrees in November. We had the coldest November ever. Right. And that was cold. That was really cold. So yeah. Were you crewing? Were you crewing for someone there? Uh, oh, sorry. No, you said Atlanta. I thought Alabama because Alabama was freezing too. But um, I've heard the stories of Atlanta through mainly through Chris Mendoza because he won that year and right. just it this horror stories from that scene. Um, oh my god, things were like freezing over. Literally, yes, that's wild. Yes, yeah. literally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the good thing about second is that there's only one place to go from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. I came into this with the, the the dream was to win, and I still think that's possible in the future. I knew it's a really tall task um, with the likes of Chris and Katie and Stephanie and people standing around you like that. Um, but I think this gave me a little bit more belief in myself, for sure. I feel like I'm um, in so many ways really proud of um, what I put out there and see more ways to improve and it gets me really excited to think about going for it again. So, uh, yeah, I want, I want the, the title eventually. Um, so I'll do what I can to, to make it happen. Does this, does this mean your high rocks days are over? No, I wouldn't say so. I, I don't think high rocks doesn't excite me in the same way. Um, but I, I do miss it. I do find it really fun and I want to get back out there and it's a great like early season thing. Um, so I definitely do want to, to step back into that soon. And, um, I was just thinking about other goals for the year and, um, doing a lot of, I want to do more rocking stuff, honestly. Like I love rocking. Um, I love the high rocks has a go rock division. I think that whole big thing they're doing in March is really cool. Um, I'd also love to try and like set some rock world records kind of like on my own. Look at you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have to look into that and like the process for that, but, um, I find that stuff really fun and it's uh, i guess i like the the miserable things i don't know like the weird niche things that no one else wants to do but like um yeah i just i love i love rucking i love like the ultra grindy stuff um so we'll see but that that's on the that's on the radar too um for earlier in the year next year i think well i just learned about this this company called greenberry fitness and they put on a lot of that stuff so they do they like you hike like 65 miles in the Florida trail with weight. That's right. Kelly Sullivan was telling me about this one. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they've got some other ones too. They've got this other one that's four days and like each day you get more weight and more miles. We could talk more offline (laughs) about it, but I did want to ask you about, you know, for someone, you know, who, who admittedly, you know, suffers from imposter syndrome and it's, it's hard to put yourself out there. And you, you do like putting yourself out there in races is one thing, but you do, you sing and I think you have a fantastic voice and thank but, you. But that is, I think to me, you know, I used to do stand up and people talk about how gutsy that is. And it's like, to me, yeah. singing and putting yourself out there for that to me is like the scariest thing. And you like, you put mm-hmm. yourself and stuff. So how do you sort of get over that? Uh, I think some of it is kind of just like, do it, even though it feels scary. Like it's just fake it till you make it. Um, and it's interesting because uh, actually at the the bar crawl or whatever, like when everyone went out for like drinks after the race, uh, somehow Katie and Leia finagled the um, 
the performers that were there on their stage to give me and Chris Mendoza the stage. So I'm in the middle of a different interview and they run over and they're like, Callie, stop what you're doing. You're going to sing. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and honestly, having um, practiced putting myself out there and maybe posting a singing video here or there, or like doing these open mics with my friends that I've been loving doing um, made this not a big deal anymore. I was just, I was reflecting on it and like, it wasn't that scary. And it was just more of a fun, like really special memory that we have now. And uh, that's all because I did it when it was scary. So um, it does, I thought it would, I've always struggled with stage fright. That's something I've really, I quit theater because of it in school. I quit acapella group in school because of it. I was terrified and had some terrible onstage experiences, including tearing my hamstring in the school play. So I was just like traumatized <laughs> That's another story. But um, so I thought that was never going to go away, but it does turn out that like when you, when you face the fears and you do it anyway, um, it's exposure therapy. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, I don't think it'll ever fully go away though. Like it's still going to be scary slightly like racing. I'm always going to doubt myself um, in certain ways, but um, the more, the more chances you take at conquering that, the the more ammo you have against that fear the next time, I guess is kind of the, the way I look at it. So Mike from Obscuring Adventures uh, recorded it and I shared it because I thought it was super cool that you and Chris were up there. Um, so <laughs> how many songs did you sing? We sang two. So, um, so we what, sang, uh, what was the one that he shared? Cause I, I was, I was trying to figure out what song that was. Uh, I forget which of the ones. So we sang something in the orange by Zach Bryan and then growing sideways by Noah Kahan. And those are two of our favorite artists, Chris and I. Um, so we, we like to get to Chris lives here too. And we have, um, our friend Leia who's, uh, in our little band. And then we have, uh, Katie is always supporting and then we have a couple other friends here who love to like sing and jam with us and then even my boyfriend Andrew will uh, play something or um, just want to get involved so we've been playing together and just like having fun with it and um, going to the open mics up by where I live there's like one a month um, just like a fun thing to do so we had kind of an, uh, a, a library of songs that we had done before that we just were like okay let's do these because we like them and um kind of country folkish it kind of hit the uh fit the vibe of the bar so um it was really fun it was uh and so so special because all of a sudden there's this crowd of people bringing over chairs and they're all just screaming there's a picture of everyone with their hands up and i was like this is wild um just this whole weekend was wild what a weekend what a weekend that's for sure so will will you be racing anymore this year as of right now, I do not plan on it. This was my last race of the year um, on my radar. Um, and I do want to take the time to like properly recharge and get motivated for something else. So um, right now, no. But uh, if something cool comes along, maybe that'll change. It's kind of nice having the, 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 the pressure off for, for a bit, especially when you build up to a big race like this. It's like, okay, I'm not like charging at anything for a bit now. I still want to train and like, um, get back to work soon, but, um, first is recovery and being able to enjoy the holidays and not worry about race travel, all that stuff. Okay. We're ready to go. Fantastic. It's Greg McLeod. 
That's an excellent Scottish accent. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> I've heard worse. Put it that way. Oh, man. I thought I was going to get some credit. <laughs> Do you know what I heard? What's that? I heard if it's not Scottish, it's crap. Is that true? Well, it depends where you're from. If you ask the Scots, they'll definitely agree. If you ask the English or the Welsh, they may not they may not agree. Can you can you give us a little? Can you give us a little if it's not Scottish, it's crap? I wouldn't even want to give your listeners that that pain in their ears of me trying to do a different accent. <laughs> My wife begs me never to try and do a New York accent because it's that bad. Um well listen, let's talk Green Bray Fitness. Go for it. I was enjoying your maps. Why did you hide the background there? I was enjoying seeing your beautiful maps. I can, I can unhide that. This there is mostly go. this is mostly an audio format, but you've got some beautiful maps of America, and we uh, do. you got Route sixty six, classic. Yeah. Uh, there's a documentary that I started but didn't finish about these guys that tried to drive Route sixty six, which is mostly dead now. There's like right. you can see like these places that were huge restaurants and places to visit. And now it's, it's all gone. Yeah. The big bad highway has taken over. Oh yeah. The highways have come and taken it all. Have you, have you toured much of this great land of ours? I have, I have. So I, I, I did a lot of traveling before I moved here. Um, I was based in Canada for a year with the military. So I had the opportunity, opportunity to do, um, part of the Pacific coast highway from, um, Vancouver, all the way down to um, just south of San, San Fran. Um, I've done a motorbike tour from uh, Washington State down to uh, Utah. I've done Florida numerous times. Uh, the, the part I've visited the least is actually the, the northeast, so sort of New England. A lot to see there. You should probably make that trip. I know. I, know. I, I need to. It's on my bucket list. Um, I've done a lot of the West Coast done quite a lot of uh, Colorado, Utah, Florida, um, sort of Texas. That, that so when, time, you said, never... when you said the military, is this the Scottish Army? Uh, the British Army. Yeah, British Army. Scotland <laughs> don't have an army. Well, they do. They're just part of the British Army. <laughs> Were you trying to take over Canada? Were you guys? Did you guys invade Canada? <laughs> no, no, no. We, we used to. Um, so we have a training base in uh, – it's about three hours – East of um, Calgary, it's called, um, or the base is called CBF Suffield, Canadian Forces Base Suffield. And it's one of our largest uh, locations that we can do sort of live fire training with tanks, with Apache helicopters. So I was based as a, as a training officer out there in 2010, so a while ago now, a different life. So let's let's dig into Greenbury Fitness, GBF. Uh, it says on the website... Tough, strong fit. However, I hate to be this guy, but I'm, uh, I'm, I notice things. And it looks like you've got tough period, strong period, fit, no period. I think we need no periods all the way or periods all the way. We need some consistency. Right, exactly. Yeah, the, the website is um, it's being redone in the next few. That's our, one of our many tasks as we've continued to grow. That is one of the tasks that we, we need to do is re- rebuild the website from the bottom up. So we are on that, fear not. Uh, we also may, may change a slogan uh, from tough, strong fit to something else. That's still to be confirmed. So let's talk about the, the origins. How long has this been a company? It says 2018. Yeah, so uh, officially our first U.S. event um, was 2020, so COVID, which was great timing. Perfect. That was the first one. Um, unofficially, the, the, the company idea 
dates back to 2012 during the uh, London Olympics. I was working in London. I was coaching at a CrossFit gym part-time, uh, still in the, in the army. Um, and I had this idea that, look, we have loads of visitors from all over the world in London. Uh, the atmosphere is, is electric. Let's take the gym outside. So we took the workout outside. We did a, a, a workout in um, Falgar Square. We then ran, ran to Buckingham Palace, did a workout um, outside Buck Palace. Then went to the London Eye, did a workout there. Then we went to um, uh, the Tower of London. So we, we did workouts all over London. So that was the that was when the um, that was when I noticed that civilians want to work outside. They enjoy uh, a bit of something different. Um, so that, that was the, that was the very first growth of. Oh, hang on, I, I can do this with civilians and people enjoy it. Up until then, my, my entire um, or most most of my fitness journey had been with the military. Um, so fast forward a few, a few years, uh, I'm now back in London in 2018 or 2017, um, and I started to sort of look into options for for what is now Green Ready Fitness. Moved here in late 2018, um, did a few events, uh, more more team based events at first because that's what I thought the market wanted. Um, I admit when I first started, I was trying to think, okay, let, let's just do what the let's do, let's do what the market wants. Because um, obviously, GoRuck's massive, great company, great events. They're, they're massive. Um, I'd done team events back in the UK for team building, so I thought, well, let's just do team events. Then I sat down with my wife, buddy. Um, late um, we we changed it because a, a it's not my background. Yes, we do team stuff in the military. Hey, your your time. audio just switched. I think to like your earbuds must have just clicked on or something. Oh, we had we had a jet flying over. We we are right next to the uh, the navy base. How is that? Is it working? Yes. Okay. Um, Which navy base? Uh, NAS Oceana in Virginia Beach. Okay. Yeah. Um, so very long story short, we we changed it to to what a is what what is more my true background is individual events. Um, you then work as a team once you've proved yourself, uh, and also because there's a there's a, a niche market that hasn't been filled. GoRuck do the team-based events that they say on their website, it's never a race, it's always a team. That's that market done. We have OCRs that do obstacle courses. Again, that, that's a race, but you, you can work as a team, but it's still a race. Um, we then have um, mountain marathons, but you don't wear a backpack or, or a ruck. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a gap in the market for realistic, hard military events where you have to navigate yourself because mo most races you have a set course there's arrows pointing the way for you there's this tape guiding you um literally when you get to a gbf gbf event it's you your phone or your map and you have to find yourself uh, around the course um, which i think that probably i don't think i know that that's the biggest um hesitation for people to sign up they are nervous about the navigation side of it yes i like i like arrows i like ropes i like i'm very cushy I yeah like, it comes uh, back of course it is yeah it, 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 people I, like like, my, uh, I like my coffee every day my wife right, exactly. my wife brings it to me in bed sometimes even that's how cushy oh. my life is um so yeah and, and people and like comfort and I, I i i don't prescribe to the, the belief that everyone should push their comfort levels i think it's good for us sometimes but i think some comfort is good as well um but yeah the events are different we have super hard ones um, and we have easier ones. Well, listen, I want to I want to get into this because I was I was half kidding, and I'm gonna I want to pull up your website in a minute and talk about these events. But listen, what I've learned is do the thing that lights you up. 
right? Or that you want to try, right? Like there's no right or wrong way to fitness, right? You want to go to fucking Zumba. Great. I personally, personally think go ruck and death race, a lot of PT, a lot of getting yelled at doesn't work for me. Doesn't inspire me. Doesn't lift me up. Right. But like I'm at world's toughest mother this weekend and I'm watching people do everything from the winners doing 105 miles to someone who clearly would not be described as fit getting 35 miles and falling down in a bucket of tears at the end because they fucking survived it for 24 hours and they probably moved really slow, right? So it's like whatever lights you up, man. And, you know, something like yours is like, okay, cool. I have done rucks or I have, but let me try this new thing. Let me try navigation. I've heard about adventure racing. You know, whatever it is, whatever lights you up. And so that's why I reached out to you because I'm into uh, almost anything that's, uh, getting folks out there and trying something new and cool. So that's kind of where I sit with all of it, right? Um, so go ahead. I think it's also important to say that what's a challenge for you is not a challenge for me and vice versa. So something that you are used to, and it's my first time. So OCRs, I, I, I hardly do OCRs. I did them in the military as a, as, as a job. Um, but doing an OCR will be a lot more challenging to me because I haven't done them whereas you've done a lot more, I imagine, so it's it's more within your comfort bubble. Um, so we, we have a, an unofficial saying, dare to fail, because if, if you do something that you know you're going to pass, so I, I, I know, I, I've done seven, 18 marathons now, like normal running marathons. I know that tomorrow morning, I could go out and finish a marathon. It wouldn't be fast, it'd be five, maybe five, six hours, but I could finish it. Is it hard? Of course it's, of course it's a challenge, but I know I'm going to, I know 100%, Unless I get injured, I'm not going to fail. So we we try and inspire people to, to do something where you there's a there's a high likelihood that you may fail because you don't you don't learn from when you succeed because you you've got to that point you you pass the challenge you set out to do where you learn the most is where you fail. I fail because I was tired. I fail because I didn't have the right attitude. I wasn't fit enough. So what do I need to learn, adjust, and move forward with? Success is a great uh, feeling. It's a great um, sensation. Failure is is bad because society tells us that failure is a bad thing. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think failure is a fantastic thing. If you if you have a a whole life of doing events that you never fail, that says to me that you haven't stepped out of your comfort zone. Um, that being said, one of our big events, Operation Ocala, uh, every January, that has a, an 82% failure rate, so 18% pass rate. Um, it's not particularly difficult per se. It's very straightforward. It's 65-ish miles um, on relatively flat terrain in Florida. Um, the hard part comes because you have to navigate yourself. Um, it's a long time. It's 24 hours. And at night time, so it's January, so night is normally 6 p.m. till 6 a.m., so 12 hours. Um when you are alone or even in a small team of three and you are lost and you everyone gets lost, you either get lost or you lie, one of the two. Everyone gets lost at least once. <laughs> um, when, you, when you are lost and you, 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 there's no cell service, it's, it's, it's a fucking scary feeling, um, especially if you're on your own because there's, there's animals out there that w- can kill you. They don't want to, but they can kill you. There's birds, there's gators, there's snakes, there's mosquitoes. Um, but that's one of our selling features is, look, there's a high likelihood you will fail. Yes, you may be one of the 18%, 18% who pass, but chances are you'll fall into the, the 82% because that's just statistics. But don't let that stop you from signing up. 
let that be a motivator to sign up instead. Uh, and we're we having good success. We have 62 signed up this year. We're capping it at 68 or 65, I think. Why, so, um, why does it have to be so small? So I'm, I've never been someone to chase the, the, the profit. Um, for me and the company, um, it's people before profit. I want to try and I keep that um, military feel. I don't want to. I don't want it to, to become um, tough mudder or um, Boston Marathon, where you have big banners, big corporate sponsors, um, and you, you rock up and you think you're on just another event. Um, so that's the, that's the first reason. I want the military feel, not not the corporate race feel. Number two is that I want the candidates to feel that they are on their own. So within the first five miles, I don't want you to look in front of you and see five people, look behind and see another five people. I want you to feel isolated, alone, and by yourself, because that, that adds another dimension of, of difficulty and, and, and discomfort. Um, so small, there's two things. One, it makes, it makes it more select. People sign up sooner. And two, it makes it harder and more realistic as well. So that's 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 why we 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 could probably get a hundred this year if 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 we pushed it more, um, but I'd rather have sixty five, sixty eight, um, and then the rest of them can come next year and get signed up early. All right, well let's let's have a look here. Let's pull up the old website. Hang on. So here we are. Uh, let's go. The, to- the website that was our that was our very first event that photograph. Right. Uh, so Operation Dark Horse is about to happen. Yep. The jet going over. Um, so Dark Horse is based on a um, an event that one of the Royal Marines did back in 2007, I believe it was. He climbed three different peaks in the UK uh, for charity and uh, with a rowing machine. Three turned it into a competition. So in teams of two, um, same gender or mixed, carrying a Concept 2 rowing machine, Concept 2 one of the sponsors. Um, you are hiking up a hill. So the, the whole route, um, is nine miles. So I've got to carry a Concept Two rower nine miles. Correct. Um, up and there's a. I think there's two thousand four hundred feet of elevation. There's three peaks. At the top of each peak, between the two of them, they have to um, row a total of ten thousand feet uh, meters. So on each each of the three peaks. So you set the thing down. You row. Pick it back up. Keep yep. going. Correct. Go to your next peak. Once you've done all of the, th- the third peak, you then come back to the start point or the finish point at this time. Um, what if, and we do have a... What if my rower breaks? You disqualified. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you if you drop it, you break it, no, disqualified. No, no. no, I didn't say if I drop it. I said, what if it breaks? I mean, it shouldn't break. I, I mean, I've, I've used them for 17, 16 years, and I've never broken one. They've run out of batteries. I've never broken one. So they never malfunction. I've never in my in my experience, I've never had a malfunction. Okay. I've had a ba- I've had low batteries. Uh, speaking of battery, I said a plug in there. Okay, all right. So I like that one. Is that one sold out yet? Yeah, yeah. How, what do you cap that? That? Uh, that one's twenty four. So twelve twelve teams. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go to Operation Endure, taking place okay. at, at CrossFit Thumbs Up in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. So that sniff. Um, um, McDill Air Force Base in Tampa, home of the Special Forces community. Okay. Um, so the Open Dual Series events, we have numerous next year with with more that haven't been published. Very basically, it's teams of two once again, uh, mixed or same gender. Twenty four workouts in twenty four hours. Yeesh. Yeah. So some of the workouts it could be. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with CrossFit, but Murph, um, obviously 
mile run, pull-ups, push-ups, um, squats, um, and then a mile at the end. Or it could be something as, as simple as 30 seconds on the Echo uh, Echo bike for max calories. So Where, every hour. So, so so if Murph, what if Murph takes me, what if I do, what if it takes me over an hour to do my Murph? We have a, a time cap for the event. So not, normally it's 50 minutes. It's given an enforced 10-minute rest before the next one. Um, so th- this is less of a competition. We, we, we say in the, in, the, in the brief further down, it's not a CrossFit competition. Some of the events will be will be scored and will have winners, um, but it's, it's definitely not a competition. Um, it's about the shared suffering. Um, we endure the discomfort together. Um, what, if it's, what if it's someone is uh, <laughs> fucking the dog, as we say? <laughs> Explain that Americanism to me. Well, I sign up, right? Yeah. We'll stop the screen share for a moment. I sign up, me and my mate, right? And we're crushing it. Event six, event seven, event eight. By event twelve, we're just we're just barely putting in the work, right? Do you yeah. boot, do you boot people? No, I mean so long so long as they're doing the work. I mean to, to sign up and not put in the work, we 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 haven't yet attracted those sort of mentality teams. Um, people who we attract tend to want to challenge themselves and push themselves for the entire thing. Well, everybody, Clearly. listen, everybody, I just witnessed World's Toughest Mudder. Everybody in that start line had a goal of 50 miles or 75 or 100. Most of them did right. not hit it, okay? Correct. Something happened. Yeah. I mean, f- fatigue Fatigue will happen in any, any event, um, but we tend to find that the way we um, the way we arrange the workouts, we're never hitting the same muscle group one after another. So we're, we're deliberately trying to separate body parts, so legs, upper, core, uh, or speed work or endurance work. So no one's going to get injured, hopefully, or, or too fatigued. Um, so next year we have that event. We have uh, Florida versus Ohio in a, on the same day in February. Um, we have South Carolina in May. We have Virginia Beach versus or Virginia versus California in July. And we have November. So November's going to be a, a, a big one. So November um, is in Texas. It's not advertised yet. So is this this it's year on, or next year? This is next year. This is December. This 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 one here is this year. So December this year. And I'm talking about next year's event. All, all the same thing. Operation Endure. So next year in Texas in December. They're wrong in November. It'll be 12 Hero Awards. They're wrong. 24 Hero Awards in 24 hours. Um, and we'll have some some excellent prizes for that one. So Born Primitive, and I'm sure you've heard of them, uh, a great company who makes um, some athletic apparel and other stuff. We're getting talks with them to hopefully sponsor the Endure series of events. And we're speaking to their technical branch to get, they want to get involved with the rest of our events, such as Operation Shooter. All right, so let's hop into Shooter, which is Saturday, December 9th in Complex, South Carolina at the Sawmill Training Company. Yeah. So... Uh, how much how much shooting uh, background do I need to have? I mean, you, you need to have shot a weapon and not kill yourself is a good start. Um, <laughs> other than that, as, and we ha- we ha- we've got quite a f- probably five newbies, um, a a good safety mind. So I, I I would rather you be afraid of guns than be over familiar with guns, um, because if you're over familiar, that can lead to sort of mistakes. If you're afraid of them. You're going to ask questions before you just pick it up. Um, so we we have that's capped at 35. That's full as well. Um, seven events, seven official events. You can see there. Um, again, the company's Greenberry Fitness. There'll be a lot of rucking, a lot of running, a lot of fitness. Um, it's not like the proven grounds. It's not like the technical games. 
it's it's very different. Um, both great companies, but we don't want to try and copy them because we're different. We want to do something very different. So it's going to be a 32, 36-hour event. Um, most of the candidates are... Do I get to sleep at this one or no? You, there'll be some sleep. Um, so most of, the sta- most of the candidates are staying on location. Um, and then Saturday evening, we'll have some activities for them. They don't know what's coming up yet. Um, and then Sunday, we have some more events and stuff. All right. We, ha- we do have a video on our YouTube channel. We have a video for Ocala and also for Shooter. All right. So this is the big one that you're talking about. Uh, Operation Ocala, 65 miles, 24 hours. The clock is ticking. Sponsored by Mudgear. I'm a huge Mudgear fan. Uh, yeah. I would say I'm wearing Mudgear socks right now, which I am every day, except I'm home and barefoot currently. I'm not <laughs> wearing Mudgear socks, but I am almost daily wearing Mudgear socks. Uh, oh, yeah. They're a good company. Oh, this says a gold dog tag earner. What happens if I earn a golden dog tag? So some of the events, the harder events, the first male or first female or both get a gold dog tag. So everyone who completes it within 24 hours gets a dog tag. So we don't give medals, we don't give patches. Uh, we give uh, British dog tags, but they're personalized. So it says the event, says the date, says your last name. Um, so yeah, if, if you're first, a first female, first male within this gets a gold dog tag. So if it says it follows the Florida Trail, yeah, how do I get lost? Because it's not that well, well two reasons. One, it's, it's not that well marked that it's, it's, it's not like a concrete path with some white lines down the middle telling you which way to go. Um, but plus, when you get tired, I'm sure you've been there, when you're tired, you get fatigued, you start to lose focus, concentration. It's very easy when it's dark or even just low light to, to take the wrong path or just completely get lost. Um, it happens so many times. So, so I'm interested. This is the one I'm interested in off the top, yeah. of, my, off the top of my head. Uh because I've never done an adventure race, and like many people, I watched that great eco challenge show during the pandemic, and have thought about doing something like this. Um, Matt, I will give you, I will give you free entry through Ocala. Well, done. How, how can I say no to that? And it finishes at a done. pizza place. Done. I'll even buy you a pizza. Oh my god! This okay. Well, not well. I so you really. This is about keeping moving, right? I happen to know. I happen to know 65 miles because I don't know if you're aware of this, but I do own the fastest known time self-supported on something called the uh, Silver Comet Trail, which is is a concrete path, very well marked. Uh, but I did do it in about 14 hours, and I could have done it faster had I had I planned slightly better. Um, well, there you are. So you, you can't turn down this opportunity that's now. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I do need we- to learn to navigate. I've taken a course, but I just need to refresh it easy so there's navigation um if if you're on facebook we we have a gbf page and one of the guys there has great great tips Uh, officially we use all trails but there's loads of different apps you can use for the um for this particular event are you wait a minute if you're saying that all i have to do is follow the all trails that's even easier than navigating yes you think so so all trails is not um 100 accurate because it's such a large how dare you tell i'm gonna tell them you said that do you think Strava's wrong too? How dare you? The arrogance. I can definitely run a marathon in four-minute miles. <laughs> Strava is wrong. So we have some. Um, we actually have some big names from the OCR community. You, you may know um, Kelly Sullivan, Kelly Shores, um, Lauren Longfield. Oh, I know those. Yes, I do know those people. Marissa Theopanides, whatever her name is. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, we got we got a lot of people I that go, you well know. I go way back with Kelly Sullivan. Okay. So yeah, they've all signed up. And now we're adding you to the list, Matt. I mean, apparently, I mean, I have a lot of excuses why I shouldn't do it because I've been injured, etc. Perfect. That's what we want. We want those excuses. Then we want to say, you know what? But fuck it. Let's go for it anyway. I know. I mean, injury is slightly different. But if you're not, if you're not afraid of our events, I'm legit afraid. afraid. I'm legit afraid, my friend. That's that's perfect. If you're not, you're lying. (laughs) That's what we say. Because it's it's intimidating. Most people are going to fail it. And that's intimidating to people. Um, Wait a minute. Hang on. Yeah, Candidates who voluntarily withdraw are not guaranteed a ride back to the start point until after the event at the end of the event. So plan accordingly. So you're saying I have to sit in my – I quit and I have to sit and freeze until you drive me back. Is that what you're saying? Two reasons. One, we say that because if we have to get – we only have the one money bus. We have other cars that can get you back, of course. But we don't – what we normally have is checkpoint one and two, like a, a mass – Exodus, people like fuck this, and they quit. Um, and we, we even with the minibus, if the minibus holds fifteen to eighteen, so we can't get twenty-five people back on one on one journey. Um, so the priority has to be, and quite rightly, with those people who are still doing the event. Um, so far, we've never had to. to I think the, the longest we've left someone is like three and a half hours. Um, but you get your sleeping bag out or your or your, your emergency sack out, and it's comfortable. How much? So, um, how much weight am I carrying? How much gear am I carrying on the sixty-five so mile journey? Twenty-five pounds plus food and water. Wait a minute. So, wait. You're going to give me? You're going to give me twenty-five pounds to carry? So you, so, you bring your own weight. Bring your own backpack. Make sure it fits you. Twenty-five pounds. So, again, on our Instagram, we have a um, post about this. You can you can buy ruck plates, which are very comfortable, fit great. But the downside of that is if, if you break your leg, you can't eat or drink your rug plate. It, it's basically it's dead weight. It, it's pretty useless. So what we advise is if, if it's a 25-pound weight, dead weight, or 25-pound uh, dry weight, we suggest using 10 pounds or 15 pounds of, of dead weight, but then make up for the rest of it with water, um, what we call emergency water or emergency food. That stuff that but if you if break I, your... But then if I start eating the food, my weight becomes less. Is that Isn't that cheating? Precious. So that, so that stuff you can't you can't eat. So the, the way we do it, or I used to do it in the military, was I, I had a I had four Snickers bars and I used to wrap it in elect, electrical tape. I had those Snickers bars for a whole year, never never touched them. Those At the end of my those talk, don't weigh twenty five pounds. Four Snickers bars, <laughs> they don't. But like two liters of water. <laughs> and the reason being, we had this again on, on the Instagram uh, post is if, if you worst case scenario you, you break your leg on the side of a mountain. And you need to pour water on it, or you need to water. The last thing you care about is finishing and being disqualified because you drank your water. You need that water to clear the wound out to, to wait for help. Um, so it's there for emergencies because if you if you only have that dead weight plate, you're fucked basically because you have you have no no extra water that you can pour do on you your remember, wound. Do you remember that movie where the guy cut off his own arm to survive? Uh, 157 or 147 hours. So yeah, yeah. Could, we could make the sequel, okay, with your event. Talk about putting your event on the map, okay? Someone has to survive, and all they can eat is the ruck plate, and they figure out a way to eat that ruck plate. Matt, I think you are a legend for volunteering for that starring role. Listen, I know we've never met before, but this is the kind of creativity, the kind of genius you get by speaking to me on a podcast. The, juice, the juices are flowing. This, I, th- I think we're looking at an Oscar-worthy performance here. Lost in Ocala, starring Matt. Right, beautiful. Uh, I do, I do like it. I do think this is this is honestly though, like kidding aside, it's 
like obviously it's ridiculously hard, but in the great scheme of things, lower barrier to entry, right? Than learning to shoot or carrying a right. thing up a mountain. Like, hey, put on right. some weight. We're going to send you off. We're going to give you some waypoints and off yeah. you go. And uh, if you make so, it great, and if you don't, we'll give you a ride back eventually. Yeah. So I, I think its simplicity is also its its hardest um, characteristic because essentially it's just walking. The weight's not terribly heavy. 25 pounds is not that heavy. Yes, add water. There's only five checkpoints. There's no PT. There's no shouting. There's right. no mountains. Right. Things I um, don't like, shouting or mountains. <laughs> correct. I do um, like mountains. So, yeah. So there's, there's no it, – it, in theory, it shouldn't sound hard. The hard part comes because the duration, the time limit, um, because people start to tell them th- themselves, oh, I can hear noises. They get lost. They get tired. They get fatigued. It also becomes really fucking okay. monotonous. Can I can I can I ask you a few questions about survival? Go for it. Go for it. Certain animals you're supposed to face, and certain animals you're supposed to run from. Correct. Yeah. So don't get run. <laughs> well, I was just watching. You know, Kelly Slater is. Yeah. Do, do, you're saying yes, but I don't believe you. Uh, I, I know the name. He's a. He's. A, uh, he's remind me. <laughs> I was waiting for you to. He's a surfer. That's right. I th- I was. I was going, I knew he, he was some sort of like core sport that was way too cool for me. I thought I thought it was skateboarding, but that's Tony Hawk. So I just watched a video with him, and he said, okay. and if he said, when you see the shark, right, you have to face the shark. Right. When they see kicking and flailing, that's an animal in danger, and that's food, and that's just its nature for a thousand years. Its job is to clean the ocean, and that's what it's going to do. But if you face it, uh, it will slow down. And then I don't know what you're supposed to do, but he just said, don't kick and flail. Uh, maybe hit it on the nose, but don't kick and flail. That's what he said. I'm just saying, I, I, I would love to take credit for this, but I can't. I, I saw it on online. If it's brown, lie down. If it's black, fight back. If it's white, good night. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a black I thought bear, if it was yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> now I'm really confused. What are you going to do to me? What I don't know what to do. So if it's a, if it's a brown grizzly bear, play dead. Okay. Lay down. Okay. Play dead. If it's a so we we don't as far as I'm aware we don't have any brown bears in Florida. Okay. All of ours are black. Okay. So if it's a black if it's a black bear, you you make yourself look as big as you can oh, and you fight back. Right. Exactly. You are definitely going for your Oscar on this performance now. You've got to leave. Black fight back, and the, the, obviously the last one is a joke. White good night because it's polar bear, and they're going to fuck you up. But, oh, yeah. I was thinking like a White Walker. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you familiar no. with the White Walkers? From the um, the vam- vampires, you mean? <laughs> no, this is Game of Thrones. Oh, and I I don't watch Game of Thrones. I haven't seen it. I know. What is wrong with you? I, I don't watch much TV. I haven't got time. Do you know where they film that? Uh, Scotland. A lot of it's in Scotland, I think. You see? Okay. Now, in alligator and crocodiles, they're green. So then, what do I do? If it's green, what? Let me don't, try. Let me try and find this. Don't, uh, don't be mean, or do be mean, or wipe but, it clean. <laughs> but most of them are alligators we have down there, which I believe I've never had to face them, are less aggressive than crocodiles. But again, don't take my word for it. Where is it? Um, there we go. So we have alligators. That's number one danger. Number two is the black bears. We've got rattlesnakes. Okay, another different color. Yeah, we got cougars, not not the kind not the kind you find in Miami. <laughs> and we have hunters, which I mean, we we also have Florida man, which may try and kill you, but hunters aren't <laughs> trying to kill you. 
It's it's just a, an accident. So how do happen. I know which gator is or crocodile is coming after me? Trying to avoid them all. Avoid them all. Or if you have a friend with you, punch him in the face and then run away, and he's going to be attacked instead. See? Do people do people try to team up for this though? I know it's individual. People try to say, "Hey, let's stay together." Like if I was fast enough, I'd be like, "Hey, Kelly Sullivan, you're you're good with the rock. Let me stick with you." So our advice is to do teams of three or four. Uh, wrong, two or three, no more than three. Just because the, the larger the team, the slower, the, the, the bigger the variation in fitness you're going to have. Um, the reason for that is three is perfect because you, you can rotate the lead person because the lead person has to be on point all the time, looking for the trail, checking the navigation. The person behind them should be check nabbing, so making sure that, that they are also seeing the signs. And the last person should be just relaxing and just following the feet, the feet in front. And then you, you rotate through. I like it. So every every forty five minutes to an hour, the first person goes to the back and, oh, and see, keep I changing. thought I thought it would be longer because there isn't enough change, like in forty five. You know what I'm saying? It feels like it would be like a couple of hours, so that you could really just turn your mind off. No, every forty five seems too quick because you've got to be making decisions in that forty five, right? Yes, but when you when you've been going through the same thing so long, so the the trail is it's. I'm sure you've seen photographs on on Instagram. Certainly at nighttime, it, it's you. And it's your it's your torchlight, so you get you get real bad tunnel vision because all you can see is your your cone of, of white light. And you start to switch. Certainly, if you're tired as well, and all you're doing is walking, checking your map, walking. So you start to trip and wake up and stuff. So the last thing you want is to be doing two hours. You start. Let me give you let me give you a story. So back in I don't know 2012 in Afghanistan. Long story short, we we there was we were split out in this um, complex, and there was me. My rad up radio operator and two guys. We had to we had to guard this house. Um, it was we we're on the roof of this of this house. Just four of us trying to guard this whole place. Um, and I was in charge. And I said, okay, let, let's try and do an hour on duty, an hour off duty. So you sleep while I do an hour. Didn't after like two hours, wasn't working. Within the first twenty minutes, because we've been we we hadn't been to bed for probably three days at this point, just because of manning the up, the up, up tempo. So we had to do half an hour on, half an hour off, half an hour for, I think it was like 36 hours we did that for. Oh my God. And even then it's, it's hard. So the, the, the more regularly you can change it, yes, it means you get less rest, but it means the person who's, who's has to focus doesn't have to focus for, for too long a time. Um, so I, I'd suggest maybe half an hour, but no more than an hour. And you change that first person, change so, that first person. So of that 18%, are people yeah. usually finishing in singles or doubles or triples? Who? How does it usually go? We've had usually the finishers, the 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 winners. Sorry, have all. Let me think. The winners have always been individuals every time. Um, did they? We start, then, but did they start as triples and just their team lost? No, no, no. Usually they. Usually, so last year's winner, um, Mike. Um, forget his last name now. Fit guy. Um, and the second place was a guy called Mark, uh, Mark Jones, super fit guy. I know, I know Mark Jones very well. Yeah, super nice guy. If he's coming back this year, I, I gave him a, a challenge that I'll keep quiet for now, but I, I issued him a challenge and he, he took it up in, in good form as he always does. Um, so th- those two, again, we have this stats down. I think Mike came in in 16 hours. Mark was 16, 20 something or 16, 40. And then the next person wasn't until 20 plus hours. So there's a, there's a, Big gap there. That that shows how how fit Mark and Mike are. Um, as you alluded to, we tend to have the winners are individuals. The next people through tend to be in teams of two, and then the last people to finish are usually the teams of three. Um, 
Because the reason being that no matter how fit you are, one person is always going to be slightly fitter. And that person, the, the fittest person in a team has to slow down for the weakest person or the slowest person. You can't make the, the, the slowest person speed up, but you can make the, slower, the fastest person slow down. So the, the, the team, as we see, usually we have one or two people go, I could have done it faster, but I wanted to wait for Dave or for Paul or whatever, which is, which is fine. They start as a team, they finish a team. Fuck me, I admire that. One of the things we really want to change, and which is why this year I've been deliberately, or we've been deliberately targeting females, is we've only had three female finishers in three years. We had no, none the first year. We had two in year year two, and we had one female finish last year or this year. The next next year's event, I think we have 25 females starting, which is unheard of for us. So a great start for us. Um, what's the cutoff? How many hours? 24. Well... 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, but yeah. And and there's time cutoffs at the other places too, or no? Uh, no, no, there's there's not. What we what we try and do, and it's worked so well so far, is a people usually know, people know on how they're feeling if they're going to make the 24 hour cutoff. If they don't, we've only ever had one person continue just to finish it, and he he had a support team there, so we didn't need to wait for him. Um, <clears throat> but he just wanted this to say, look. I've completed the route, not in a time frame, but I completed the route. So he's coming back again this year to try and do it in time. But usually, once people know they won't finish within 24, they, they quit and come back next year. Got it. Usually. Well, I don't think we have time to go through all of the events, but I quickly, before we wrap up, yeah, it looks like the uh, the Cerebris, that looks like more of like the, uh, that looks more of the, uh, the Goruck, uh, what do you call it, uh, selection type situation. Yeah, so Cer- Cerberus is um, we do that with heavy drop training. Cerberus, um, Cerberus, not um, not Cerebus. Cerebus. No. Um, I'm going to call so it Cerebus that's t- with heavy drop training. That's a sort of thirty-six to forty-hour event. Um, it it's similar ish to selection in, in as much as it's an individual event, but it's also very different in as much as we have um, a set standard that. We go into it knowing beforehand. So Brian has a, a Brian is the owner of HGT. He has a list of all the workouts that's going to come up, and there's a pass or fail mark. If you don't hit that, that's you fail. So it's it's less ambiguous, less um, personality based than perhaps selection is. Um, but yeah, so if you want a, an individual challenge and you like sandbag work and you like rucking, then Cerberus is it's definitely one you should look into. Um, other events just to mention. Very briefly, while we're here, is Vegas. We have a, a, in Vegas in um, June. We have the, so another big one we have, which we're trying to speak to um, Chris. You all know her last name, the one who just won World's Toughest Mother. Who? Chris. Chris, R- 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 the one who just won World's Toughest Mother. Mother. Roglowski. That's the one. So I was talking to her the other day. Um, I'm still not giving up to get her to a color, um, but she says she's unlikely. But what she is interested in is Operation Century. So that's in uh, on the Idaho-Wyoming border. It is 21 miles. It's a loop. So you do five miles of a 21-mile loop. Each loop has 43,000 feet of elevation. Yeah, that sounds like her. Yeah. So 48-hour cutoff. The weight's low. I think it's 20-pound weight. Um, but she's interested in that one. But our big event, our sort of our flagship event, is called Operation Sterling. That's in October this year or October next year. That's five days. Five routes, increasing weight, increasing um, increasing weight, increasing distance. That's based on the real Delta Force selection and SAS selection. 
So day one is 10 miles with 25 pounds. Day two is 12 miles with 30 pounds. Day three is 12 with 35 pounds. Day four jumps up to 18 miles with 40 pounds. And the last day is uh, 28 miles with 50 pounds. Yeah, back to back. So how many events do you have in 2024? Uh, currently we have, that, that's the, that's the, let me hold on. That's the, the current spreadsheet at the moment. So, so for the listener, he's got, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, we're looking at about, by the time we've added other ones, probably 60 plus. 60, six zero? Probably, yeah. Okay. So, so some of them, go on. Well, we just have to talk turkey here, Greg. If, if you said you weren't doing this for profit, right? Mm-hmm. You live in a house, you're drinking something, you're wearing a shirt. I, I, I well, say, these I, things all cost money. Yeah, I want to say I, do, I don't do it for profit, but I, I aim to put the experience over the profit. So I, I could easily fill Ocala up to 100 this year or next year, but I choose not to, to, to make the experience better for those doing it. Because you, you can go to, and there's no disrespect to other companies, but you can go to Boston Marathon, you can go to London Marathon, you can go to World's Tough- Toughest Mudder, and there's thousands there, and the atmosphere is great, and there's banners advertising for their, their sponsors. But I want people to have the feeling that I had back in 2005 in the Welsh mountains when I was fucking lost looking at my uh, my my compass going, holy fuck, there's no one around me. I haven't got a cell phone because we won't allow them. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And you, you can't get that if you can hear people behind you, people in front of you. There's loads of white light. There's sponsors every every 20 meters and stuff. Um, so, yes, some events we will definitely get bigger and make more profit out of because that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but some most of our events, I want to try and keep that, that military feel too. And you can't have a military company, in my opinion, um, if you sell out for mass mass profit because you then become another corporate but 60, company. But 60, 60, that's so many events. Like Spartan puts on 60 events in the United States in a year. I mean, it, it is. But for example, so we have five locations of the same event on the same day. So Tab and Yomp, they're both 80 pounds, 80 pounds backpack. Um, Tab is eight miles. Yomp, sorry, Tab is 12 miles. Yomp is eight miles. Okay, well, so how many event? So many events do you have? That's what I'm kind of event. If if it's an event within the same event, that doesn't count. How many events? Period. Like just not that way. Got you. Um, so again, so we like have Spartan. Like if you were to say Spartan, Spartan has sixty weekends, but one hundred and eighty events because they have trifectas. So I just mean like how many events do you have? Got you. Um, so how many event weekends do we have? We 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 aim for two events. Per month, two event weekends per month. Okay. So we're looking at probably realistically twenty-four to, to thirty events weekends. Okay, I see you. you have Florida, you have South Carolina. I live in Georgia. Do you have any events in Georgia? Perhaps I can help you get some events in Georgia. Yeah, so we, so we we don't at the moment mainly because you guys are so close to North Carolina, South Carolina, and we we tend to focus on mountains. Um, we are looking at doing one in northern Georgia. We've got um, the Appalachian Trail, my friend. Exactly. So we are looking it at doing that. here in Georgia. Hello. Right. So, I mean, well, you actually, guys sorry, the... let me rephrase that. It starts or finishes, depending on which way you right. go, right. right here in Georgia. Yeah. Um, so we are looking at, add, I mean, so the, 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 it's, a great, it's a great problem to have. But we, we, in the last two months, we've had three gyms reach out to us asking to hold an event at their place. Um, and currently, it's just me with some fantastic friends and, and helpers. My wife works full time. Um, so trying to, I mean, we, we had a request from Canada. We, funny enough, we, we even had a request from um, someone in 
a state and a, and a west hand side of the west side of the country um, who wants us to do an event for a congressman who wants to run for the Senate, which is great, fantastic. Um, but it's just there's just me, so I need to fit my life around the stuff. Um, so we, we try and to go back to your question about Georgia. No, we don't. Um, we, we try and advertise the events as destinations. So we, we have one in Wales next year, UK. So for Americans, that's great because you can go over there. You can see London. It's a four-hour train ride or four-hour car to, to Wales. Do the event that weekend. Explore wherever you want to. Head back to London before you fly out. We have one in um, in Yosemite next year. If you've never been to Yosemite National Park, you can go and see that. You can explore Yosemite. We have one near Mount Rushmore. We have one in Las Vegas. We have one in um, Idaho. So these locations people can go to if you want to bring your family. So what for Ocala? If your if your husband or wife is giving you a hard time, one thing we say is well, like Daytona Beach is an hour and a half away from the event. Why doesn't your husband or wife go and relax on the beach while you thrash yourself through the event, and then they can pick you up at the end of it? Or failing that, do Disney World with the kids, which is I think it's. 45 minutes from the finish line and then do the event or vice versa clearly if you do 65 miles the last thing you want to do is fucking walk around disney but <laughs> the, op- the the option is there so yeah we, we try and advertise more destinations georgia is definitely on on the to-do list All right, so if you um, want i'm going to give you more genius marketing ideas if you win our sure. event we give you free fast pass for the weekend at uh, at disney gosh if you, if you win if you win our event not not, uh, me. Give- not me the royal you <laughs> I love it. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks for hopping on. Greenbrayfitness.com. Is that the website? Yep. On Instagram and Facebook too. And there you have it. That was Kelly. Kelly. Kelly Schweikart and Greg. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing me uh, in your ears week in, week out after all these years. I appreciate it. You have many choices out there of what you can be listening to. Or if you're in your car and it says it on your little dashboard there, Obscuracy Media dash, Callie Switeheart, Switeheart, or whatever it says there. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Hey, I will be at Deca Worlds in Dallas in a couple weeks. And if you like the hybrids, I got a whole other network for you. The Hybrid Fitness Media channel, our own podcast, our own YouTube. You can get there, Hybrid Fitness Media. Tons of content from there. We also have tons of content from the recent High Rocks event in Chicago. I'm a busy man with multiple media empires, or one big empire, or one tiny empire, depends on who you ask. Anyway, I love you, I miss you, I mean it. I've got to run. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. 
Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 